Well, hello to you, my waterproofian. Welcome back to another episode of Waterproof Records with me, your host, Jacob Givens. I'm excited for this episode today, and we're going to dive in here shortly, but I'm glad to have you back, and I hope you're doing all right. I'm doing all right. It's been a busy month. That's why this episode is coming to you a little bit later than usual. I had to do Riot Fest. I had to do a work trip. I've been all over the place in the month of September. But let me tell you something. October is going to be just as crazy for me. So many things going on. And I love spooky season. I'm a crazy Halloween obsessive. And uh, I love this time of year so much. Um, I made a vampire horror comedy movie called I Had a Bloody Good Time at House Harker, in case you've never seen that before. It's on Amazon Prime. But um, I'm so stoked about today's guest. Cannot believe we got a chance to connect in real life. Um, but today my guest is a legendary founding father of uh, so much of the New York hardcore scene, um, has been so prolific in his career, written so many songs, sang so many songs, had so many incredible bands. And I'm holding here right in front of me the 30th anniversary of Slip by Quicksand. Yes, Walter Schreifels. Um, if you are familiar with Walter's work, you know that he has been in the game for quite some time now. And he's got bands like Gorilla Biscuits, where it started out, and then Quicksand and Rival Schools, and he has solo work. Um, a producer, um, a songwriter, singer. He has his own labels. I mean, he's just really done it all and just such a wonderful, charming person. And I was so excited to get a chance to meet him at uh, Riot Fest. We had connected briefly over my social media, and I, of course, am a big fan of his work. So let's jump into the show, and let's uh, it's almost time, but it's time to talk to the legendary, amazing uh, <laughs> leader of Quicksand, Rival Schools, Gorilla Biscuits, and many more. If I listed them all, we'd be here all day. It's time to talk to... Walter Schreifels, let's go. Things are gonna change, I can feel it. If this gonna be that kind of fight, it will This is great. I love that I get the opportunity to do this, to do the show where I talk to you about albums that I love, memories, you know, wax nostalgic, talk about those classic moments in my youth. And uh, I really do love how when I make videos or I make content it, that it reaches the people that I admire and really have respected and uh, have inspired me my whole life. And this gentleman is definitely one of those people. And like I said, it was great to meet him a few weeks ago at Riot Fest in Chicago. And when he agreed to come on the show, I was ecstatic about it and uh, just really looking forward to having him on the show. Um, before we dive into it, of course, I got to talk to you about my favorite thing of all, which is DistroKid, the sponsor of the show. DistroKid is the reason that I get to keep making this and it's growing and getting bigger. And DistroKid has an exclusive link that you can use if you click on it in my bio or in this episode, and it's just distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. That's all you need, and that's 30% off your first year with DistroKid. And what is DistroKid? I've told you before, but I'm going to tell you again in case you're new to my show and you've never heard this before because you tune in, you saw Walter Schreifels is on this, I'm tuning in. So if you've never used DistroKid before, it's the way that you're going to get your music out there on all those streaming platforms, YouTube, um, all the places your music can be like that. And it's super easy. They have an iOS app. All you do is you upload your music and it can be one song. It can be a double album, whatever you're wanting to put out there, any genre, any style of music that you want to play. Hey, you could be just like tapping your thighs and, and singing out in your living room. And that could be a big hit. It, that could be like uh, lap core. We'll call it, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Probably exists. There's every kind of core isn't there. Um, but, uh, but anyway, so make sure you use distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof to get that 30% off. I use them. I put my album from 2007 out there and I currently have some stuff in the process. And I know I say that from week to week, but I'm telling you what I'm working on will be coming soon. Just, uh, getting all the nuts and bolts in place. But now that I've talked about the sponsor, 
now that I've talked about what this episode is going to be covering, now that I'm, I have my quicksand slip 30th anniversary book right here, deluxe edition. Without further ado, let's welcome our guest to the show. Welcome to Waterproof Records, Walter Schreifels. So glad to have uh, you here. Thanks a lot, Jacob. Happy to be here. Yes, yes. Just absolutely thrilled that we finally got a chance to meet in person just a couple weeks ago at Riot Fest. That was awesome. Oh, it was such a fun time. Yeah, and great great to meet you too. Like, uh, what is it called where you um, parasocial relationship? Like, uh, I, yes. I know you from Instagram, and uh, so I already feel like I know you. Yeah. So it was great to, to see you in real life. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, after watching you conquer three days with three different bands at a festival, what an undertaking. I mean, holy shit. <laughs> Were you tired? Oh, uh, not like physically, I guess there's a lot of, um, we just did it very like, uh, you know, there's three different bands. So like, um, I'm pretty self-sufficient in each yeah. thing. So it's a lot of just like carrying my guitar around, throwing cables down and like, we didn't have any techs or anything like that. We did it just like throw and go. And, um, so I don't know, that was, that was part of it. Um, but mostly it's just fun. I mean, we, you know, we practiced a lot for quicksand, so yeah. we're really prepared and rival schools. We had played like a, like a month or two ago. So I felt pretty comfortable with that. And Gorilla Biscuits really kind of just plays itself. So I, yeah. I, it, it was all, uh, it was all lots of fun and, and very exciting. And it was so cool to see like so many friends and, and peers and uh, amazing bands. Like I, I really loved uh, war paint uh the cure were awesome um uh the bronx are always great i just kind of got little vignettes of fake names i saw them and uh it was a lot of fun yeah it really was it was my first riot fest um and my first time getting a chance to see quicksand and rival schools play live i was so excited i have right here my uh my deluxe slip book right here proud owner oh yeah Hell yeah. 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 So cool. So, so cool. Um, yeah, I was watching you perform up there. You, you were fantastic. And I was like, clearly he's got his cardio up. And then uh, upon further research, I found out you are uh, an avid runner. And so obviously the only way you could, you could do that many performances is that you're, you're up to the challenge. Your body is up to the challenge. Yeah. I love running. I mean, I've, I've run for you know, probably as long as I, you know, 20, 30 years. And, um, it's just, especially on tour, it's really a great way to, um, kind of, you know, you're, you can get very isolated in this, you know, sit around the club or whatever. I, I get to a chance to go see the city. I go get away from, although I like the people I'm traveling with generally, generally, it's nice yeah. to, to get away and have my own experience. And, um, and I love, uh, running long distances for just the, the, the challenge of it. And, uh, and, you know, keeps you healthy, especially as I'm, you know, getting a little older these days. So you want to make sure everything's working. Yeah. Same, same. I've been, uh, I've been struck by the same desire and need to stretch and stay in shape because, yeah. uh, the body's starting to do things and I'm like, uh Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's, yeah. uh, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's fun. Like, it's not like, uh, you know, if you, if you're keeping, I mean, by, by keeping your body active, it keeps your mind active and, yeah. uh, and, and you know, getting older is, is awesome because you, it is. you, 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 you have a lot of perspective and you, if you're still curious about things, it's, it's really awesome, but your yeah. body will start to fall apart, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know, I, I agree. Getting older is awesome. I'm not one of those people that, you know, fears it or loathes now that I'm in mm. my mid forties, I still feel mentally up here. Like I have that same youthful exuberance, as you can see in my videos, I still have this yes. uh, love and desire to express myself as ever before. So <laughs> it's wonderful. Like I think it's so that's that's really a lot of the the appeal of what what you do for me is like that you have that wonderment yeah. and uh, thank you that you you need that, especially as me as an artist to keep creating. Of course, yeah. like um, I'm. Uh, 
I have a level of expertise and understanding of how to like manifest different things that I, I can imagine, but you need to be, uh, ha have that kind of, um, beginner's mind sometime, I guess is, is the way to look at it. And that is that, uh, that wonderment that you have when you, when you first, uh, discover music in, in that way. Yeah. I, I, my audience has heard me talk about it before, but, but just a brief glimpse as to why I think I've retained it is I moved to Los Angeles and Hollywood at 21 years old, trying to make it in the movie business and the film and TV business and, you know, all that. And so I spent so many years focused on that path, that avenue, that music was always just there as a love. It was never a pursuit. It was never a career pursuit. I was in bands in high school and college and, you know, I played and whatnot. So music never got bogged down by the, the environment getting corrupted, you know, being around a, a scene for so long that then you get jaded or you deal with like a promoter doing this or a this going bad. So I was always to kind of able to retain to that that youthful exuberance and it's carried on into my adult life. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, you know, because there are so many cynics and jaded kind of perspectives on music and bands. And, and now people kind of look at the music scene and they say, there's not any good music coming out. I'm like, no, there absolutely is. You know, it's just, Oh my God. The problem is it's, it's sort of like trying to, uh, drink out of a fire hose. There's so it, much music coming out. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's wonderful. Um, so uh, I, I definitely get that from you. And while I'm not at your level of excitement, I, I feed off of it. So few um, are Walter, few are. I'm one of those people that I'm like this in real life. You know, like I people who know me really well, they go, well, that's just like hanging out with Jacob normally, you know. So, yeah, yeah. But it's a wonderful thing. You don't, don't, don't change. I, I'm trying. I'm trying as, ma as many comment trolls, uh, that try to get me down. I try to ignore them, but, um, yeah, but I, I, uh, just such a fan of your work and you're such a prolific songwriter and you've been writing for so long. And, and, uh, when I posted, you know, when I posted a video about being a fan of quicksand and then posting the video of seeing you, I, so many people were like, wow, Riot Fest was like a Walter sandwich for you. You know, they were like, clearly you're, you're a Walter Schreifels fan. And so people wrote in the comments, they were like, so are you a hardcore guy, Jacob? And I was like, you know, the funny thing is, is I, I never was, and I never was mm -hmm. really into hardcore music, but you kind of slipped through because ha ah, slipped. Aha. Um, <laughs> see what I did there? You kind of slipped through because I felt like uh, when it was introduced me in, uh, introduced to me in the late 90s, um, it, it was just right. It was just right. It was had elements of that scene, but enough of its own thing that I think it really connected. You know, it had the heavier side, the metal side um, and really spoke to me. Head to Wall was the first uh, song of yours that I ever heard a buddy um, put it on a mixtape and I was like, who, who is this? <laughs> so, oh so great. Such a great memory. Um, and, uh, but I was, I was late. I was late to learning about you. It wasn't until about 97 or 98. I missed it as, as it was happening. As I know, this was uh slip was 1993, 30 as it celebrate 30 yeah. years this year. Yeah. 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 God bless. Yeah. But I, I, I wanted to know a little bit and I know you've probably talked a lot about being in the hardcore scene and, you know, Gorilla Biscuits and coming up in that. And you also seem like somebody who walks a fine line between being part of hardcore, which I was very intimidated by. I mean, look, I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. It's not like I was really surrounded by that many hardcore right. kids. But the way, right. I the way I perceived it, it seemed super aggressive and intimidating. And there was a lot of like macho toughness associated. And for me as a teenager, that that scared me away a little bit. I was like, I, look, man, I'm in I'm in uh, the crucible play at school. I'm in drama and I like bands, but I don't think I'll fit in with the hardcore kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that that's uh, I, I really like how the hardcore scene has uh, as it's reflected now in that there's so much like um it's so broad you know in terms of like who's doing it the right. kind of motivation behind it which is not i don't think although there's a, a a space for this kind of like macho kind of thing yeah um 
it's it's not about that and i think the larger uh the the bigger picture is is about um the ethics of it mm -hmm. and and that it's it's a community and that it exists outside of these sort of um main channels of uh of you know kind of corporate delivery systems and i think yeah. i think that that's the beauty of it and uh you know it's i think now as i see like new grilbus has just played in new york and i was looking at the audience and it's a very like young audience although there's people my age of course that experienced it the first time around but the majority is like a young audience and looking at how these people are experiencing it it's like really how i hoped it would be at the time that i was was in it you know yeah. and i think that the the violence aspect, I mean, back then um, I was a teenager, you know, the image of like what punk was, you know? Right, right, um, right. So if you watch like Repo Man or um, uh, or Suburbia uh, or even just like watch the Sex Pistols, it's about mm -hmm. uh, this sort of like, you know, spitting toughness, violence, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And, 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 um, and, and and a sort of fashion uh aspect to it yeah. and i don't know why that is so appealing as a as like a 14 year old or something to just be bad you know be what bad. i mean yeah yeah bad with a group of people and and dress wild and be like um outside of these like mainstream kind of like oh yeah I'm a, oh you think you're radical because you like iron maiden like no disrespect to iron maiden and it is kind of underground but like what about uh urban waste or what about you know yeah. uh agnostic front or the circle jerks or these yeah. kind of um things wh which were i felt like just so much closer to the street level yeah. and uh, that was appealing but i think um it's sort of more that violent thing. The thrill would be, and the dancing is obviously violent. Um, but the thrill of it is, is, uh, you know, that appeal of being bad, but mm -hmm. also getting out of it and escaping, you know, not getting killed. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, you know, I wasn't working any violence on anyone else. It's just not who I am. Uh, yeah. Like I wasn't going there to be violent, but I was right. going there to be amongst violence to to survive it and and to gain something from it that was maybe i think some of the appeal but um as i got more comfortable in it it's like okay this all scene also attracts a lot of sociopathic people that are just <laughs> trying to work out some demons you right, know what i mean for sure uh and 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 that's you know there's got to be a space for that you know Absolutely. what i mean and i and i think that a lot of people in in that um found uh you know in some ways it, it, it compounded or, or or justified some of the fucked upness that they maybe experienced in their childhood or whatever but for others it was really meaningful and, and built bonds and you know there's a lot of positive things that came out of it that got tiring for me um yeah. being in that aspect of it because i had worked through that uh yeah. aspect of it and uh and so you know that kind of led me to start to recognize that what we were doing in terms of uh, making this music on our own terms and creating new styles and influencing each other and raising this community up, that there, that in itself was, was the value that I, that I was most focused on. And so I continued on doing music and um, was recognized. And I think the hardcore thing, uh, contextualizes it but in in real reality like i i was very very into it for a couple of years as a teenager yeah. but it's more like my friendships and where i learned how to do things and how i learned how to understand how uh scenes form and what makes people want to jump off a stage you know or fly off the stage or or makes people want to write a fanzine or or get up in the pit and take photographs and all these kinds of things. What are the, what are the motivators behind that? Yeah. And um, who are the people that, that are, are down to do that? And, and then not only just put themselves in it, but like start to see it as, as an art and refine it and, and get better at it. And, and that's uh, what I think is really the most um, important aspect of the whole experience. Whereas like, you know, seeing it from Tulsa is like, these guys look crazy. Like that looks, yeah. 
Yeah, mine that was. Looks, that looks like a bad place for me. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's an outsider then, looking in. You know, it's like I'm way over there, and what I'm getting is on MTV News. You know, Kurt Loder yeah. is delivering yeah. something to me, or I'm watching. I'm watching it through this layers deep. It's such a different world now, right? Where you can have a kid with a an iPhone in the middle of the club recording the show, and instantly yeah. I can see what the environment is like. But as a as a as a little kid watching things, I'm only getting the information, and then you're kind of you're, you don't understand the dynamics of it. It isn't until you're older that you start to understand a little bit more about what the scene can be about and how things can be distorted to deter people away or to kind of keep it, you know, its own thing. So it is always fascinating to hear your journey through being a kid from New York and being right there in the heart of it as it was, you know, as it was coming yeah. up. So I was, but, I was in a, I was in the right place, right time as well. It, that, that it all came together like that. But I, I think of it as like, you ever watched like the little rascals? Yeah. You know, little rascals. Kids? Yes. Definitely. Like you're probably the last group of people that knows what the little rascals. Right, right, right. I'm at, I'm at the tail end there, Walter. I'm at the tail end. He's probably at the very last of the of that group. But yeah. um you know it's where kids are putting together their little shows and their little dramas and stuff like that. It's yeah. all little kids doing these like sophisticated things that they see in the in the adult world, but they're mirroring it in their own yeah. way. That's what the hardcore scene was like for me. And I think um I'm not so plugged in to the music honestly but it's the energy it's, and it's the people and the, it's the ethics yeah that, that i find it a, a thing and the violent part of it was kind of um you know it's fun to do something dangerous and survive it sure. but um that's that's gonna either to some people that's just like a non-starter and for other people maybe it runs its course yeah. Uh, to other people, they they can get to the heart of it, you know, in in, yeah. in a way. So I think that's it's interesting to see, like, you know, uh, with a band like Turnstile having so much success, and 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 the bands under that, like, what the meaning of it is, and and uh, you know, I I think it's really pr pretty great and and closer to what I I really appreciate about, appreciate about the whole thing. Yeah, I really enjoyed Turnstile, by the way. I love their last album they put out and I thought they put on an amazing show at Riot Fest. I thought that yeah. was awesome. Really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah and, I don't think that's amazing. Yeah, it was really great. And, uh, you know, I often tell this to people that they're, they're surprised to find out I, you know, obviously have a lot of music and bands that I like and like you, never one thing, not pigeonholed as you've done so many projects and bands. There's just many variations as to what you're interested in. People often are surprised they find out like I like heavy metal or death metal or whatever. And I'll say to them, I'll go, you go to a, a really heavy metal show and I'll say, those are some of the nicest people, you know, these the guys yeah. that want to get in the pit and just destroy each other out there. They're incredibly friendly, you know, when you're passing by or whatever and outsiders will say, oh, really? And I'm like, yeah, you know, like these people don't feel like they fit in anywhere except this one place. And it must must yeah. have been like that as well for the hardcore scene. It's like, you know, um, yeah, it's like it's like we're this is our home here out there in the real world. I don't really feel like anybody understands me. And uh, so that's always a nice feeling as a as a teenager, as an adolescent to feel like you belong. Um, yeah. 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 So you grew up in New York and obviously before all this music stuff, at one point in time, Walter was a little kid listening to music. Did you have a musical household, uh, where music was being played in your, in your home? Yeah. Uh, I think when my dad, my dad was very into like hi-fi equipment. So he had like this kind of like classic seventies guy, like Marantz, uh, you know, yes. he just gets this which I think would piss my mom off um, that he would spend money on that. But, um, <laughs> but, you know, he had kind of like, uh, he had some beach boys albums, but he was, he was very much on the like kind of steely Dan kind of yeah. yacht rock yeah. trip of the seventies. Yeah. Not my favorite kind of music, um, but it did have, I did have a nice thing to play records on. My mom had a more of a, uh, she had interesting records. Like she had Neil Young records, um, Donovan records, Bob Dylan records. Um, oh wow! Some some weird experimental ones. Uh, she had this one record called uh, the New York Rock and Roll Ensemble, which was this uh, group of Juilliard students from the late '60s that made a rock band. Um, so it was pretty avant-garde, and, and um, 
So she had some interesting records for me to just discover in the collection. And, um, you know, as I, I probably by like, I was maybe in fourth grade or something, I would like kind of scrape allowance to, to buy like, uh, I remember I bought got live if you want it by the Rolling Stones. Cause it seemed like it was the cheapest record and it had a yeah. lot of hit on it, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, or, um, I bought, uh, you know, the Beatles red album with the, with all the the hits on it. My brother bought the blue one. So we had all the Beatles stuff. Uh, so I started buying records. Um, so I would say there was a certain musicalness to my parents. And that's and also I, I have a big extended family and my cousins were all super like Bruce Springsteen, Billy Joel. Like that's very New York, like the Springsteen, Billy Joel. And um, uh, I had a cousin that was into Southern rock. I used to hang out with him and take the seeds out of his weed. Uh, and he would <laughs> be Molly Hatchet, Leonard Skinner, um, you know, classic rock. And, and it was a time where you could just turn on FM radio in New York. Um, uh, WPLJ was the big station. And, you know, just get get an education on on a, on a lot of, you know, the music of of basically the 1970s and and um and cool stuff from the 60s you know and they would they would slide in a like um a clash song now and again or like stray cats like things that were um you know kind of more happening on a new wave thing i i loved blondie and i remember buying blondie records when when heart of glass came out about parallel lines as yeah. a little kid and eat to the beat um and uh, I bought End of the Century by the Ramones when that came out. Yeah. Um, oh, you know, whatever. I'm 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 aging myself, but th- this, you know, between my parents, my cousins, and um, staying up late to watch Silent Live or yeah. Don Kirshner's rock concert, which was which is you know uh, was very very challenging because you know when you're a little kid, it's very hard to stay up that late. But totally. I would just like make myself just like. Totally. I remember seeing the B-52s on Saturday Night Live and just being having a really psychedelic experience where um, I I had a, uh, a premonition of what the next lyric was going to be in their play really? Rock Lobster. Yeah. And uh, he was in a jam. I knew he was going to say that. You knew and it. And he said it. Yeah. And then uh, the giant clam rhyme, I didn't see coming. But I just knew he was going to. And it was like I was 10 years old and having this like psychedelic experience. That's amazing. About the yeah, it was really weird. And um, so I, I bought their record, too. Um, so, you know, I was already on my journey at a young age. Yeah, it speaks to I mean, that's a lyrics brain right there. You you've had to write so many songs in your life. You Lyrics, you know, that was a premonition, too, as to just how. How much, you know, would you say that songwriting and lyrics come very naturally? You, when you sit down to write a song, it's like they flow out of you. Or do you find yourself sitting there and kind of trying to find the thing as you're putting it together? Uh, lyrics are tough um, because I've written so many of them. So you end up hitting a you lot have. of the same themes. You start yeah. hitting the same themes and same words. And the more you write, the more. Uh, you have to push yourself to find out different ways of doing it to keep it interesting for yourself. Right. Um, you know, my first 20, 30 songs, I don't know if it was easy or I just, um, had, yeah, like less, you know, we're talking about earlier that beginner's mind of like, who cares, you know, uh, where now I have to, sometimes things do come easy. Like I'll, I'll catch a break. Mm -hmm. Uh, but other times um, I'll have to, you know, it's work. You got to, you get, if you, if you don't kind of sit yourself down and do it, it sometimes is like, just doesn't write itself. So you have right. to create the conditions where it, it will open. But um, uh, lyrics, melodies and, and chord progressions comes very easy to me. Like yeah. that, that I have no problem with. Yeah, I can tell. I mean, honestly, I, I just, um, the the influence that you have, the music that you just talked about, by the way, I, I've gleaned that your mother was the cool parent when it came to her music taste, because uh, that seems like yeah, she was like, the cooler. She was the cooler one. 
<laughs> she a bit, a bit, but my dad, you know, my dad had was into cool shit like yeah. of the time, you know, yeah. like Doobie Brothers, Steely Dan, um, like uh, yeah, like basically, you know, Fleetwood Mac, y- yacht rock. My dad was like very on trend with it, yeah, and he was into hi-fi, so. But yeah, my mom's music definitely resonated. She had the avant-garde. She had that, you know what I mean? She she danced outside the line. She found the weird shit. Um, But I was going to say, so about your songwriting and melodies and how they came naturally, I think this is a good time as any to get into. I asked you about your waterproof record and the name of the show is essentially my, my son, when he was in the bath, when he was young, I said, Hey, I want to, I want to start a record store one day. And he's like four and he's dipping a blank CD in the tub. And he says, uh, I said, what should I call the name of the record store? And he says, waterproof. And I was like, uh, and I go, oh, that's actually a really kick-ass name. And then I started to think, good. yeah. And I started thinking about it more about like having this record store. And I started thinking about the concept of waterproof being unsinkable, you know, something you can't wash away. It'll just, it'll, it'll stand through the test of time. So that's where that name comes from. And so I asked Walter Schreifels, I said, What's the record? What's your waterproof record? And he let me know. You oh, you can share it. What was it? Uh, I guess it was relating because you framed it in like what kind of made me think of just I want to be in a band and I could do it. Like what yeah. put that path out there in front of me? Yeah. And uh, for me, it was um, when I went to uh, my cousin who I used to clean his, the seeds out of his weed for, his best guy, my cousin Johnny. And he was uh, really into music and I hung out with him a lot. He took me to a double feature at um uh at our local movie theater and uh it was to see um the kids are all right which was uh the who movie mm-hmm. and um we got there to see that movie it was amazing kids are all right is such an incredible movie blue yeah. mind-blowing like really really made a huge impact on me but i didn't realize it was a double feature because when the kids right ended there was another movie that they were gonna that they showed and that movie was rock and roll high school which was the ramones movie which i've never seen which is crazy to me because i was looking at the soundtrack and i was like this looks like it would be a really fun uh movie is it is it a good movie despite the soundtrack uh me i think now it's probably a little bit trashy um but, <laughs> good. but probably, <laughs> probably good probably still good definitely yeah. the, the footage of ramones is amazing probably like a lot of great clips. I don't know. I, I haven't watched it as, Watch a, it as an time. entire film. Yeah. But as but my brain at that time looked like here I was like in junior high, I guess, like the beginning yeah. of junior high. And um, I already was ahead of the curve. I was like, I want to be in rock and roll high school. Like right. these guys are playing a kind of music that is simple, aggressive, fun, melodic. And all the people around them are just like having the best time and, and, uh, and it's bad, but it's good. And, um, like I want to live in that world. Yes. And, uh, and the way that the music was simple enough that it seemed like these guys could not just by the way that they, I, I didn't really understand, but it's like, just by the way that they carried themselves, it was obvious that they weren't like, it wasn't about being a great musician. Yeah, it was like they were probably the least good musician you could be, right? And right. still make this incredible sound. So it yeah. seemed like, whereas if you were to like look at um, even the Who, you know what I mean? Like having just seen the Who, like obviously there's this level of sophistication to right. what they were doing. Which to, if you, it seems like uh, on like you couldn't t- you couldn't touch that. You right. know what I mean? Right. Whereas the Ramones, it just seemed like if I just like throw a rock I can hit it you know yeah. what I mean like yeah. it's it's not close and yeah. um and so uh yeah that really kind of I think sparked sparked something in me that this was accessible and at that time I didn't know I'd maybe heard of the I don't think I'd ever heard of the Ramones so it was just like kind of like when the when the I, I got this DVD of the Beatles the first time they played Ed, Ed Sullivan and I remember watching it and just trying to get in the headspace of you're just turning on TV and seeing this and these guys with the haircuts and these weird suits and, and shaking their heads and doing these things. Like it must've seemed like they landed from outer space. Totally. Totally. Back then it's like no context for where this is coming from. No context. Yeah. Yeah. Like we don't know, like 
you know, we don't know all oh, the Beatles and all that kind of stuff. It's just like, here's something. What do you, how, how, what do you what's think? This? Yeah. 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 And yeah. Ramon seeing that movie to me was like that. It was like, yeah. what the fuck? Like, right. that's incredible. And so cool um, looking, so cool looking too, you know, like just, they yeah. had that New York cool about them. Um, it, it just, this is what I find to be an interesting recurring theme, uh, for musicians and songwriters, especially when you're a young kid, you know, you're in, you're in middle school, you're in junior high. And it, there's some of us that, that see the soloing and the, the unbelievable like technique and they follow yeah. that path and they go, they, they want to shred but for me, I was also very intimidated um, by the the musicianship of these bands that I was being introduced to at a young age that I was like, I'm never going to be able to do that. I'm never going to be able to do yeah. that. And so I think yeah. a, a mirror of your time of the Ramones was, you know, I'm about a decade later and that's the grunge explosion. Right. And so for me, yeah. it was it's the movie singles. Right. So I see yeah. the movie singles and that really makes me feel like. I could be in a band. I could, I could play those chords. I could play those songs. That's accessible. And so that's what inspired me to pick up the guitar. And so for you, it was a similar energy, which is it just, it broke down that point of entry to be like, it's something I think I can do. So after that movie, were you like, I want a guitar? I want a guitar right now. Uh, Yeah, a hundred percent. And it was going to have to be an electric guitar, like not this like acoustic crap. So uh, you do that later, Walter, you do the acoustic later when you got older and more sophisticated. (laughs) Yeah. So I, you know, I started like working my relatives for like to get to my Christmas present money up, you know, and uh, to to get get a guitar. Um, And uh, yeah, I managed to get an electric guitar. I guess it was probably within that year. And um, do you know how old you were, you think? Like 13, 13. 13 or 14. And, um, and I had a friend, uh, a couple friends, but what that were started taking guitar lessons and, um, for like $5 a lesson, which is insane. Yeah. And, uh, so I got another, I got another, like, I got like $35 or something for my birthday. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so I got seven guitar lessons for that. And, you know, maybe I got another installment somehow, you know what I mean? Yeah. But like I had to play guitar for $35 basically. Yeah. 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 And that's where it started. You know? That's where it started. That's yeah. it. You're, you're, you're playing guitar and you start finding probably melodies and chords and, and things very quickly, yeah. you know, cause it, it, it looks yeah. like even in the early days of the gorilla biscuits, you're the lyricist, you're the songwriter. That was your, yeah. That was what you were charged with doing. It was a, a gift early on. I I I, so I just was psyched for it. it, it I yeah. mean, immediately that's what I was doing. I think the other thing about the the Ramones movie too is like uh, it was cool to see you know where you have like and it's a great juxtaposition of of the Who. I think they do share a lot of DNA, the Who and the Ramones, in in sure. in, in some way. But um, you know where these. 70s rock bands that I, w- I said I would be hearing on uh, WPLJ, you know what I mean? Like The Who, these bands, they had um, a, a hugeness about them. You know what I mean? They're mm-hmm. playing like arenas, they're playing, uh, they're in airplanes, et cetera. And they have this like massive uh, sort of um, where people are just kind of worshiping them in this in this sort of like massive way. Where I, what I loved about the Ramones film was that where they were playing was like this crappy place and they were showing up in like a shitty like yeah. convertible with style and there wasn't a lot of people there. But the, 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 the way that they were revered was uh, as if they were gods yeah. in this like sort of, but in this small way. So like they were they didn't need the airplane they they had the 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 convertible they didn't need madison square garden and laser beams they had like a rat on stage dancing you know a a person in that costume so it's like that this was a way to um again that is is more accessible like this is a way to experience all of that stuff in a way, but without all that pomp, but with a more like sort of um, 
boiled down sort of like way. And uh, I think that was also appealing to me that, you you know, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind trying on like, uh, you know, the quicksand 747 and flying around in that for a while. I wouldn't sure. mind trying that on for size to see <laughs> if I like it. Right. But I, I do, I, I probably could get used to it, but, uh, but I also just like that the, the intensity of, of, a, of, a, of a show in, in a small place with the people that really, really love that, you know what yeah. I mean? And, and, um, and I think that that also had a, an appeal to me. Yeah. Uh, which I just recognized, you know, yeah. that there was this underground scene where the real shit was happening. Yeah. Not, absolutely. not the stuff that everyone in your fucking class knows about. You totally. Know I mean? Anybody. Totally. Every, mm -hmm. every young adolescent, you know, a, a lot of us want to see through the bullshit. That's a huge desire that's, you know, been in literature and movies that, that there are certain kids that go, everybody's just pretending this is all a lie. This is all a facade. And, those big, amazing arena bands can totally crush it and you can love seeing their performance and love their records. Yeah. But when you, when you feel kind of alone or like a little bit of a misfit amongst your peers or people don't quite understand you, there is something so great about looking at this tiny little room where the person on stage just doesn't feel that far from you at all. And I yeah. think that, that was a really exciting thing about growing up in the, you know, 70s 80s 90s um before everything was so ever present because our windows were just so much smaller our peering out to what was possible was just in a very narrow small space and yeah. uh, uh it was very exciting to grow up at that time because you were like something is possible through this little tiny door whereas i think the the realm of possibility like we talked about before with the fire hose and how much music look kids are still coming up and watching quicksand and rival schools and seeing you and being inspired by you, their tools that they're given are so much more available and plentiful. And I'm not, I'm not complaining or saying like that. It's just it's such a different time where if you want yeah. to record an album in your basement, it's, you can do it. You can do it on your computer. It'll sound, you know? sound good. Yeah. It'll sound <laughs> great. It'll probably sound great. Um, yeah. It's like what, what you do with those tools, you know what I mean? And how you, and also it has to speak, to your peers, you know what I mean? So it's like, as, as you know, like I'm, I'm amazed and, and so grateful that like what I do still resonates with young people and like young people makes them sound even younger than they are, but you know, with like people <laughs> growing up, yeah. you know what I mean? Um, like that's a miracle in a way, but yeah. like they, the way that, um, you know, the, the, you know, just like when I was experiencing it, when I was in my early twenties and stuff like that, like that aesthetic of like, what sounds cool to some of one of your peers at the time when you're young and, um, you really are the future of the world as much as, as, as that is a cliche, it's real. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Whatever, you, you know, you, you graduated high school or, or whatever, you're on your way out of high school or you're in college or something like that. And, um, you kind of like, okay, you're not like a full adult or anything like that, but you, in a lot of ways, you know, you're pretty smart, but you're still like, life hasn't kicked your ass yet. You know right. what I mean? So right. you have your idealism and you have your aesthetic that um, people just get yeah. with, when they hear from each other. So yeah. like, um, you know, the fact that like, you know, I think something like like Gorilla Biscuits really nails that, and I think it sort of it has a certain uh, you know not to g gas myself or something, but I, the only way that this is happening is that it has some sort of timeless quality that connects absolutely to, to the to people of that age and can still resonate with you because I think it has um, some certain truths to it that I think mm -hmm. are sort of. Um, just continue to make sense throughout your life. Like I, I, you know, we were talking about lyrics before it's like, wow, I really succinctly nailed that at this time in such a simple way. It's hard to say things that simple at, yeah. at, at my age, you know what I yeah. mean? It's like want to, you know what I mean? And, and, uh, but you see as life goes by, you kind of like, there's so much more nuance to it than you could ever, absolutely. than you could ever imagine at that age. And, um, 
you know, and that that perspective can, uh, you know, it, it informs and it can enrich your life like nuance. Of course, it's super great and it's cool to see it. And I appreciate it. But also you can lose the plot, you know, yes. you through that. Yes. I think, uh, you know, that's another aspect. Yeah. Authenticity and being yourself and being true to yourself again. You know, I'm saying these these cliches, but I, I can't remember where I read it, but it came from some kind of storytelling and this applies to, I think, lyrics, too. I think that sometimes think people think when they're creating art or writing lyrics or writing a story that making something universal will make it more accessible. But what you learn as you get older is the more specific I go into my experience, the more deep, you know, instead of going mm -hmm. wide, I go deep within myself the more it resonates with people because you're being so specific to your experience that they're finding mm -hmm. they're like, wow, I had such a similar experience. You weren't trying to write to reach them. You were just, you know, talking about what you were going through, but it still resonated in such a profound way because it was so uniquely yours. And so I just feel yeah. like that that is such an amazing thing about the creative process is the more you are a hundred percent you, the more you reach every those people, you know what I mean? I think that's true. And I also, I think, um, conversely, like where I just heard this the other night, the, uh, the, the podcast I was listening to, but like where, um, it was like a Buddhist, how, how do you summarize Buddhism and that there is no, uh, and, and the, I'm totally saying this wrong, but like the, what I, I love the, it. the gist that I met was, um, that there actually is no unique you. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Like yeah. your concept of like that I am this this thing and I I oh there's this little guy in my head that's you know pushing the buttons and steer, you know, steering stuff. That yeah. doesn't really it isn't really a thing. Like yeah. it's just like a sort of illusion that your mind creates. So like when you delve into like the idea of that unique you, you are in fact delving into the the more universal thing. Yes. The deeper yes. you go into that, in fact, like you are, you are connecting to feelings and thoughts that everyone has. And the more honest you are with that, even if it's under the illusion that it is like, oh, well, I have such a unique point of view and an understanding of myself or this circumstance or whatever, you know, it doesn't make you grandiose or pompous unless you just are that way. But yeah. um, you, you are in fact, touching on on something more universal and I, and i and i i read that with people that are doing sort of you know people will say like oh well i don't know dude god just like gave it to me or what you know what i mean like it, it just was inspired it came together in 20 minutes like i don't it just laid itself out um you know i would i would say that that's that's one way to look at it that you are actually just connecting with the universal things that we all feel that we all experience and that you use yourself as a means to get there. Like yeah. I, you know, I, I don't not, I'm not, it's not like I'm saying I'm, I'm experiencing that kind of thing too yeah. often. But maybe when I look back at it and the way that you were describing it made me think of, of that. Like, I think you do write what you know, right you now. Right. And I, I believe what you're, I, yeah, I, I, sorry, go on, go on. I was just going to say by, by writing what I know, I'm actually connecting to what everyone knows. And I think that that's the nail on the head. And I, I probably wasn't saying it well before, but going deep within yourself, you find that it resonates with everybody else is we're all connected and we didn't realize it. And yeah. I had this, I had this, and I think you're right. I think exactly what you're talking about, not to philosophize too much, but of course, during the yeah. pandemic, I was taking a lot of downtime and reflective time. And, you know, you get a little hyper in your mind and spiritualize and kind of think and philosophize. And I had this vision at one point in time, and this has probably been said a million times in other beliefs and whatnot, but I had this vision of like all of humanity and all of existence was like this nebulous ink, right? That it has existed since the beginning of time. It was like a flowing ink. And that when you're, mm -hmm. when you're born, we're like a little beaker and like an eyedropper takes from the, from the ink and drops it into the vessel that is the human body, but it's all from the same source. Yeah. And then when you're done, the drop of you, when you're, when you've lived your whole life, it goes right back up into the ink and then only to do this over and over and over and over again. And so I had this idea, this kind of philosophy that while we're in these unique containers, the ink is still the same. It's all from the same place. It's all from the same source. And so there really isn't an individual you, you get to carry that little drop 
that because it goes back in and whatever, we're just sharing kind of existence. And it was just yeah. this wild, I sound like I'm so high right now, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I feel you, dude. I, I, th- yeah. I get it. Like, yeah. I, I think it's a very, I mean, there's a lot of religions that'll kind of like, will go towards that idea or philosophies that will go towards yeah. that idea. And I think it's interesting where you, if you have that understanding, and you accept that premise, like, um, you know, it's, it's very much what Buddhism, I think, yeah, is, is I think about. So but, you know, we work, we work so hard to be like, well, I'm this guy and I'm doing this thing. And like, I'm a man, you know, all this like rugged individuality. I am, of, I am this thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And you know what I mean? I'm a, you know, whatever it is, like, I like metal. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a metal yeah. guy or, uh, you know, I believe in this political candidate or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. All these like identifiers are like, oh, I'm a, I'm really straight. You know what I mean? Or yeah. like, I'm yeah. a, I'm a musical genius or I'm a, you know, I'm a right. CEO or, 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 you know, <laughs> totally. or I got fucked over. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yes. I'm just fucked personal, over. right? Just like, it's all about and, me. Yeah. And, and it's like, meanwhile, like, I think what you're saying about this ink thing is is uh something maybe more comforting to plug into because i don't i i want to do the things that i want to do because i'm interested in them because they i'm driven to do them and and they give me joy or they spread joy or like i i want to do those kind of things i think most people are kind of like that um uh and and um a lot of this other like you know kind of ego craziness i think um uh, causes a lot of suffering, you know, agreed, agreed, you you know what I mean? Or, or just creates more illusion about like what you end up treating people shitty. (laughs) You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, uh, so I think, I think, you know, and that's a really nice thing about like what, what I'm doing or what, even what what you're doing as well is that you're creating, you're putting things out there and you are working that, um, that part of you that has like, uh, you know, it's almost like, uh, uh, you know, a, a ripple in the water, you know, if we're still using these kind of things where yeah. like your interpretation of that, whatever that, that, that thing, that, that, that ripple, wherever that started, by the times it hits you, you have to push that forward and put that out and be a conduit to yeah. it. So I think, um, you know, creativity is, is a way that I, I kind of, um, you know, and, and my, my friendships, my relationships, um, uh, and how I participate in those, those kind of things is, 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 uh, part and parcel of that. I don't know. It helps me stay sane Yeah, in, in, in a mad world gone mad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a, there's somewhat of a being somebody who needs to create, it's a little bit of a, um, a blessing and a curse. It's a burden in a way because we, we, we seem like crazy people to people who yeah. don't have this urge to constantly yeah. like, I have to make something I have to. Um, yeah. and one of the, one of the last analogies of my ink thing, and then we can walk away from Jacob's ink philosophy. Right. But one All of right. the, one of the things that made me really come to terms with is, you know, my whole life, I've been a very hypersensitive person and, you know, I see life seems loud. I seem to feel very, very deeply, very emotionally. And so when I thought about that beaker, that, container that the human body is. I was like, well, some of us, when they take the, the dropper from the ink, sometimes they drop a little bit too much into right. the beaker. And that those people go through life kind of like everything's a little strong all the time. And that really uh-huh. helped me kind of come to grips with like, I'm not really different from people around me, but maybe there's just a little too much of the ink in me. You know what I mean? Right. Just a little bit too You're much. Up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all inked up. A guy with zero tats too. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so thanks for letting me go on that like philosophical tangent, but I thought it was oh, really, I thought it was really relevant to, you know, what we were talking about, about being yeah. an, you know, an artist and creative and, and how we connect with people. And you have, you know, many decades under your belt of these amazing bands that have influenced so many. And it seems like you, there's no sign of slowing you down. Uh, cause you're still touring, you're still putting out, you know, albums and, uh, solo stuff, quicksand rival schools. It's, just, it's still going. So no, no sign of stopping for Walter. Yeah. Yeah. No, not at all. I'm, I'm, uh, 
I'm I'm full steam ahead. I I mean, I definitely want to set up some time to do nothing, yeah. uh, which is not that that's not now, but next year I'm going to set up some time to like take nothing. And and this year in January, I started off the whole year. I was in, uh, I started off for the year in, uh, in India, just on on a, a a retreat and uh, the whole month of January was just super chill and restorative and not involved with uh you know um the the kind of loop you can find yourself in so yeah uh, doing nothing is important but I, i'm having so much fun you know playing riot fest was a blast i played furnace fest last weekend uh next weekend i'm going to mexico to play a festival and it's just a lot of fun stuff and i really love the people that i that i work with so it, my, my bandmates are awesome Awesome. So we can expect probably some new releases, new albums down the road from you still, of course. For sure. In 2024, I've got a, I've got a few things cooking. So uh, exciting. It's time to put out some new new music. So yeah, I'll uh, I'll I'll definitely be posting and stuff about that. Well, you you have so much music out there already. You probably could say to the world, "I'm not going to release new music anymore because I've done so many." But I have a feeling that you just can't help yourself. You got to keep creating stuff all the time. Yeah, what you were saying about having too much ink, I, I think of it as like a certain sort of mental illness where you just <laughs> are constantly like thinking of some sort of thing that you want to make or, you know, that's why my, my phone is full of voice memos. It's like, and I like seriously, 98% of them never get listened to again, Sure, but I can't concentrate until it's somehow documented and then I can then I can function and listen and pay attention because if I have something in my head, I need to get that idea out of some way. And that's it. Whether people hear it someday or, or whatever, like, of course I want to do that, but it's just, it's like this, yeah. this sort of um, compulsion in a way. So yeah. I, I, but it's awesome. I'm not complaining about it. I, yeah. I, I feel grateful for it. And we're grateful for it too. And I'm grateful that you came on the show today. I've held you for long enough. I think I know you got things to do. Um, but I, it's just been so great getting to know you and you're, you're such a great guy. And, and I'm so glad we got to shake hands and meet at riot fest. And I look forward to seeing you next time you're in LA or I'm anywhere near you're playing. Uh, it's just been fantastic. Uh, Thank you so much, Jacob. A pleasure to meet you and great talking with you. Yeah, man. Well, have a great rest of the weekend. Thanks for being on Waterproof Records. And uh, everybody, make sure you check out the millions of uh, tracks out there from Walter Schreifels and his many bands and solo works. So thanks for joining me, Walter. We'll see you next time. Hell yeah. Thanks, Jacob. What a fantastic interview. It was so great to get that extended time to talk with Walter Schreifels and talk about hardcore and talk about how he came up into music, his inspiration, rock and roll high school, the soundtrack. You know, once he told me that the, that influence of the Ramones, I really saw how you could become such a prolific melody and chord songwriter if you're inspired by the Ramones, because they really did make it feel like what they were doing was something you're like, if, if you could feel that energy of writing songs and it was definitely transferred to, to Walter and it's just such a great guy. So charming. And I love that we got a little philosophical there at the end. I thought that was nice. And, uh, um, I've always kind of wanted to talk about that idea that I had in my head and it just seemed like the right time. Um, but anyway, if you guys are, if, if we should talk about that in a separate thing or something somewhere, let me know. I'd love to, maybe we should get like a philosophy thing going. Um, but also I don't know if you are aware, but I do have a subscriber thing on Instagram. That's the only place I'm doing it right now. I haven't done Patreon or anything like that, but I have, uh, subscribers on Instagram and I set that up. It's only two 99. That's what I did. I only did that because I'm not greedy. I promise I did it so that people who really wanted to participate, um, in a subscriber channel. And that channel has a chat where I talk to them. I tell them about my ideas that are coming for my Sunday buried treasures series. I talk about things that I'm working on. They get to see videos of, you know, I've, I've uploaded everything from a video that I'm working on, or this is an idea for a song. This is kind of an opening riff. So it's a fun community. If you want to come join it, it's very easy. We have got such a great crew. So shout out to my waterproof crew. Um, we've gotten to know each other so well. And, um, 
just a fun, good time. So if you're interested in doing that on Instagram, you can hit subscribe and it's three bucks, you know, it's three bucks a month, but I promise I try to make it worth your while to be a subscriber, to get that conversation with me on a regular basis. You know, if you have questions for me or you want to talk to me, and I know a lot of you do because I get a lot of messages telling me to listen to your band or check out this band or do something on this band. And, uh, I just cannot get to all of those. But if you are on the subscriber channel, it is a good way to get my attention and to also have a build a relationship with me over time if you're interested. So anyway, that is that. That's really the only place that you pay for anything. Everything else I'm doing here is for free. And I hope that's great. Um, I hope you enjoy that. But thank you again for joining me today for my guest with Walter Schreifels from Quicksand and Rival Schools and Gorilla Biscuits and, uh, you know, wrote Civ and, you know, uh, so I mean, gosh, I, I, could try to list them all, you know, producer of title fight, so many bands, so many, so much work out there. Um, but such a great guest and I hope to be friends with him for many years to come and see them perform a lot. So thank you for joining me. Make sure you check out distrokid.com slash VIP slash waterproof. Get that 30% off your first year of uploading music. And thank you for joining me again. This is always a pleasure. This is a treat for me. I love doing what I do and I can't do it without you. So make sure you're subscribed Make sure you're telling people about Waterproof Records if uh, if this is your bag and you like it. So thanks for joining me. We'll see you next time. Things are going to change.